said this at the first one, because this is your first Sunday. Well, welcome. Um, I would love to meet you, uh, even though uh, our time together may be short. Thank you for coming to the Highlands. I'm thrilled that you're here, because if this is your first time or you're visiting, you have found an awesome church. Um, and I've been privileged over the last eight years um, to be a part of it and to, um, by God's grace, be able to lead. And um, the first thing I wanted to say on this Sunday, my final Sunday as the, the senior pastor of this church, is just thank you. Thank you to everyone on behalf of my family. Um, when we came here eight years ago, um, Kristen and I, uh, we thought it would just be for a few months to fill in on an interim basis. And I'll never forget one Sunday driving home uh, from the school, and Kristen said, I think we should pray about going there permanently. I said, are you crazy? Like, we, we had just bought a house in Minneapolis, and we thought maybe God was going to do something there. And, and um, I said, well, all right, let's pray about it. And as we prayed about it, it was clear that God's, God... God said, put your name uh, forward, and, and we did, and God took care of that house. He provided for us here, and it's just a testament to, you know, often God calls us out, and um, when, we're, when we're listening, God will call us out into the unknown and the scary, and it's in those moments where we can choose faith or fear, and faith is, all right, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You don't buy a house and then six months later, you know, sell it unless you're flipping it. And um, never thought I'd end up back in an area I grew up. A lot of it um, didn't make sense. And there was fear that comes with, like, the uncertainty of, of the unknowns. Um, but we can choose to live in faith and follow Christ, believing that he will take care of us every step of the way, or fear. And often fear gets us from following Jesus fully and stepping into the unknown and taking the risk for God's kingdom. But when we fail in that, we miss out on God showing up in big ways. And um, so I am thankful to so many of you for the opportunity to be a part of this church community, to be a part of leading this church community. When I think back, there's so many fond memories of seeing God work in people's lives in extraordinary ways. And to just be a part of this church for a season, knowing that there is a new season ahead and there is goodness and joy and purpose that God has for the Highlands as he leads us into this next season. Um, thank you. And I will be, and Kristen, we will be cheering you guys on all the way. And um, if you're excited that I'm leaving, too bad I'm coming back like in a month to preach. So you're not going to leave, you know, you don't, I'm going to be around a little bit. And Minnesota will always be home for us. Um, you know, like we came to Delano. Kristen has only ever known me as a pastor. My kids have only ever known Delano and this church. So it's a big transition for us. But we have, we have too many memories, too many people we love, our family in Minnesota, that Minnesota will always be home and a place that we're, we come to often. And the Highlands will be a place that I'll peek in uh, for sure. Um, as I thought about, I guess, my, my last message as in my role, it won't be my last message here, um, but my last message in this role, um, as I was praying about it over the last few weeks, uh, God 
directed me to a passage of scripture about a transition and a significant transition for God's people. And this story and what God says in the midst of the transition is so powerful. And it was true for the Israelites then and it's true for the people of God today. It's true for the Highlands today. Transitions are always difficult because um, we're mourning things, like we mourn things that maybe we loved. We are sad to say goodbye. And then there's the fear of the unknown ahead. And often we can find ourselves in almost like we go to worst case scenario right out of the gate. Like we hear news about some sort of transition and because we don't have control over it or we can't see what's going to ultimately happen, fear creeps in, anxiety creeps in, like uh, the unknown can kind of overwhelm us. And the truth is, is the Highlands, we find ourselves in a season of transition. And it's very normal for us and people to feel like anxiety about the unknown and fear about the unknown and sadness about, about saying goodbye. There's, that is uh, good and normal to feel that way. But we're left with a choice. Like, will, will we live uh, in fear or will we live by faith? The Bible tells us not to live by sight, but by fear. And, we, you know, we can't see a whole lot right now. We don't, you know, we can't see the next pastor. We don't know anything about that person yet. And so there's, there's anxiety because, you know, for some of you, you've only ever seen at the Highlands me as the pastor. And the story here is a leader who people, all they had seen was this guy in leadership. And now he's gone. And so the people are anxious. The people are probably afraid. The people are wondering, like, is it over? Is the vision, the message, the promise of God, is it done? Like, we thought it was with this guy. Now he's gone. So what happens now? And God steps in and goes, like, it ain't over. It ain't, like, it's not dead. The vision remains, the promises are faithful. Why? Because the vision and promises come from me. And I am forever. And I am faithful. So this story is the story of Moses and the transition to a new leader, Joshua. And let me just start by saying, uh, it would be a very arrogant thing, arrogant thing for me to sort of uh, position myself as a Moses figure. I am not. Uh, I'm not trying to say that. I'm nowhere, nowhere as cool as Moses. N nowhere, uh, I'll never have the impact. Like when I'm dead and gone, I'll be forgotten. And Moses, you know, like we all know about, about Moses. So I, I, I'm not trying to um, put myself like in the same shoes or same story as Moses. But it is a time of transition. And um, what God says in this time of transition, uh, I believe he was saying to the people then, and I believe he's saying it to the Highlands today. And that's why I believe God led me to this text, which I want to share with you this morning. So backstory, you know, the Israelite people, the people of God, um, have found themselves in, in Egypt and then under the oppression of Pharaoh as slaves, and they long for their freedom. They long to, to live life, like, independently of Pharaoh and worship God and, um, you know, experience like the goodness of the world and humanity, and they're not. And yet God breaks in and says, I have a promise for you. I will redeem you. I will save you. I will release you from the bondage of Pharaoh. And not only that, I'm going to bring you to a land where you will have your independence, 
where you will experience the goodness of God and the blessings of God. Like you will have your own uh, land that is yours and you will be a people and you will be a blessing to all people. Like that is the promise and that is the vision. It was not a man-made vision. It was not a man-made promise. It was a vision and a promise from God. And the difference between God and man is that man's vision changed, man breaks promises, and God doesn't. And he picks a man named Moses, and he says, I am going to use you to lead. And there's, I'm going to use you for a season, and you are going to lead the people into the promised land. Well, the story doesn't go like how probably most people saw it going and certainly the way in which Moses saw it it going down. They get to the, the edge of the promised land. They can see into the promised land. They can see the fulfillment of God's promise. And Moses, God does not allow into the promised land because he rebelled, sinned against God, and God said, you don't get to go in. And Moses dies He got to see the promised land, but he didn't get to go in because he had sinned. I said this a few weeks ago. um, Moses actually did, years later, end up in the promised land. That, That story of Jesus going on the mountain and the transfiguration, Moses is there. And it is a story of the grace of God. Even though Moses didn't get to step into the promised land because of his sin, God didn't uh, you know, hang his sin over him forever. Moses stepped into the promised land with Christ. I just think that's so cool. But the people, I mean, think about it. Moses has only been the one who's ever been their leader. And, um, and now he's gone and he's dead. And there's certainly anxiety around what, what's gonna happen next. Like Moses, we don't have him. Uh, are we, is it over? Like, should we head back? Like, are we going to be stranded in the, in the desert? Like, again, uh, can Joshua, like, even lead us? Is he up for the task? Can he fill Moses' shoes? Like, I would guess, we don't know, but I would guess that there's an anxiety, worry, and fear amongst the people of what is next. Because transitions are difficult, and those are the sorts of things that transition bring up. But listen to what God says to Joshua. Joshua 1, uh, verse 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Look at what he says to Joshua. Look, yeah, Moses has been your leader. Moses wasn't perfect. And the sad reality sometimes is like, we don't get to go into the promised land. But, That doesn't change God's vision or God's promises to his people. Leaders come and go, but God is faithful. And God uses leaders for seasons, and then he builds upon uh, uh, what, what he's called people to do, to do something new, to build upon what God has been, been doing. And what he says is he says, 
he, he, he basically establishes, reestablishes with Joshua, what I said to Moses, my vision, my promises are not dead with Moses. Like, we, you will cross the Jordan and you will go into the promised land. And this is like in this time of transition that the Highlands finds itself in. This was never about me. It was never about my vision. It was never about my promises. This church was built upon the vision that God has and the promises that God has given this church. From the earliest of days, God opened the eyes of people in this church to see the need for a church like this in Delano for a time such as this. And the vision was to come in and reach people for Christ. That doesn't change. All the while the promise was, God, I will, God, God said, I will be with you. I will be for you. If you trust me and follow me and open your heart to me and you live out lives seeking me and live out lives of generosity, you will be a church that is used in big ways. And we have seen that. We have experienced that together. And just because I'm leaving, that doesn't change. The vision doesn't die with a pastor leaving. The promises of God do not die with a pastor leaving. Because they are not, it is not the vision of the pastor. It is not the promises of the pastor. It is the vision and promises of God. And that's what God is saying to Joshua. Nothing changes. We move forward. My plan. Nothing gets in the way of my plan. Nothing will get in the way of God's plan for the Highlands. Nothing. His vision remains the same. His promises are true despite any and every transition this church could go through. But he says this, and three times he says this to Joshua. Be strong and courageous in verse six because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. There's an emphasis there. Be careful to obey all the law my uh, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you'll be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I believe the words that God said to Joshua to the Israelite people. It are the same words he has given his church today for any and every transition that they go through because transition does bring up anxiety. Why do you think he's saying be strong and courageous? Why? Because you feel weak in the midst of transition. Why do you need courage? Because faith is creeping, or fear rather, is creeping at your door. All the what ifs and how, how things could go bad and all the worst case scenarios are screaming in our heads. And God says, silence it, be strong and courageous. Know and remember this, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Do not be discouraged. Why? Because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do not be discouraged, Highlands, because God is the leader of your church. Christ is the cornerstone of this church. It's never been about us. It's never been about me. It's never been about a leader. It is about Christ. That's why we sing Jesus is the center of it all. 
So we can choose in this season, and you can choose in this season as a church, to live in, faith, live in fear or live by faith. And I call you to live by faith. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged. God's got you. His vision does not die today when I walk out these doors. His promises do not break when I walk out of these doors. God saw my last day on my first day. He's seen that. He's seen this. And he's planned it all along. And the way in which the church works and the way that it, 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 it has to work is that God picks certain people for certain seasons to do certain things. But he doesn't pick one person to do everything for all time. And you step in and you seek God and you do what you, you believe at the best of your ability, what God is asking. And I feel, you know, when I came to the Highlands, Crow River, um, I just felt like, man, God, I don't know how long you're gonna have me here, but I pray that whenever that day comes, when I leave, I pray that I can, I can honestly look and see that I left it better than I found it. And I hope that that's true. But that's, that's the role of the leader, to seek the vision and promises of God and to do their best to, to, to build it with Christ and leave it better than you found it. And then God goes, there's someone else and it's not you. And that's okay. But someone else for a, for a new season and that person gets to build upon what the person before built upon. It is the, the, the necessary baton path. This is the way that God has designed the church. But who in the midst of all those transitions that every church has ever gone through, who's always been faithful and consistent? Christ. And that's what God is saying to Joshua. That's what he's saying to the people. Don't worry. Do not be dismayed. I know you can't see as far out as I can. Just look at me. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at the what ifs. Seek me. Seek my words. Seek my law. Seek the things I've given you. Pursue me with all your heart and I'm gonna take care of you. Live by faith, not by sight. Be strong and courageous. And that's what I pray for you in this next season. And I pray that the next person that God brings into this church can build upon the things that I'm so thankful I got to be a part of here at the Highlands and to lead this church into an even greater and more beautiful promised land. There's three asks that I have of you. And this is my, this is my chance to ask. And they're big and they're bold. Um, but God is big and bold. I picked the songs. I told Brian I, I'm picking the songs today. And, uh, and that song, Speak to the Mountain. Um, by the way, Brian, we usually don't do all the songs up front, but this service, his wife is actually, uh, her last Sunday is at her church, so he wanted to get up there. But um, at last service, we did the last two songs after the, the message. And I, I positioned that that way because the song said, like, you know, my God is bigger and greater than any obstacle that can come my way. He's bigger and greater than any worry around a transition that can come a church's way. And then the last song was Great is Thy Faithfulness, the promise that God is faithful from generation to generation, and he will be faithful to the highlands. So as I depart, though, I do have three asks, and they're big and they're bold, and God's big, and he can move mountains, and that's why I ask. Um, but I ask because 
I love this church. I don't have a you know, vested sort of a selfish interest now because I'm off the payroll, folks. Like, you know? Um, but I, I ask these things because I love this church. But I also ask these things because I think if the church doesn't step up in these three areas, it very likely could lead to, to uh, fracture cracks and division that could lead to a sad division in the church or a slow and painful death. So, my three asks. We've talked about vision and the vision that God gives. You know, I don't think every church is meant to be everything and meet all people's needs and support everything that's out there, ministries, missionaries, you know, like, the big church is, a, is, is a, the body of Christ because there's different parts of the body, the church, who are called to do different and unique things. And the thing that's been true about Woodridge, Delano, Crow River, and the Highlands, all the same church with three different names, um, is from the very beginning, to me, it's been clear that God, the vi- part of the vision of this church is to reach the next generation. There's always been And it's been such a gift to this church. Children that have poured in to this this church, uh, this body of believers. I remember when I first came out to Crow River, I was just like a a guest speaker. And I would preach maybe once uh, or twice a year. And at the time the church was in the elementary elementary school and in the gym and you know I remember some of you were there the stage set up and they had chairs in the gym and and I would get up and you know I didn't know much about anything at at the time in terms of the church and I'd get up and it would look kind of like this you know like it felt pretty pretty good you know the room the 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 gym felt pretty good and they 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 told me like hey when you get up um you got to dismiss the kids and because the kids would come in and worship and then they would go out to their programming. And so I said, okay. So I get up there, I go, hey, welcome to Crow River. Glad you're here. Kids, you're dismissed to your programming. And I watched as like the floodgates opened and it was like everybody left. And so then I'm looking and I go, am I supposed to preach or lead a small group here? I mean, that, it was literally dwindled to where it was kind of awkward. And uh, I, I remember, like, after, I was like, whoa, like, this church has so many, so many kids. And um, the beautiful thing about the, that awkwardness is that all those children, what a gift that God had given the, our church. And to me, that has been consistent over the life of this church. We've always been a church that's had a lot of kids, a lot of students, you know what that is? God has called the Highlands to be a church that reaches the next generation. If we miss out on the next generation, and this is why I think it's one of the most important works of the church, is to reach the next generation. You read in the Old Testament all these stories, and a lot of people skip it, but it's generation after generation. It talks about in Kings, this king followed Christ, and then, and then this king didn't, and then generations paid the price, multiple generations before a king came back to God. We miss one generation, We pay the price for multiple generations. You want to know what the hope of the church is? It is in these back rooms back here. And the problem that I see is that we look at the children in our churches as a a nuisance. We look at serving in the church as babysitting. And then, oh, you know, I can't do it. And I've heard every single excuse to like, 
I, I want a break for my own kids. I get it, I got kids. Too, I'm too old. I've heard everything in between for excuses. And the reason that people buy into that thinking is that the church just looks at children as not as important. And nothing has changed since Jesus. And that moment where the children are trying to get to Jesus and the disciples rebuke the children. Why? Because back then, kids were seen the same way. Eh, not as important. Maybe can't be used as by God as much. They have more needs to be taken care of. And Jesus rebukes the disciples and says, no, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. It would be better that you were, you, a, a stone was tied to you and you were thrown in the ocean if you keep from these children coming to me. It is serious business. Jesus' love for children. And it is a gift that God has given this church for all the years, children. Because the hope of the church, I mean, it's Christ, but the hope of the next generation of leaders is in those back rooms back there. And if we look at those kids as, as like babysitting, like a nuisance and come up with every excuse, the church is in trouble. Why is it that every single church that I talk to has a problem getting people to serve in children's ministry? It's because that's how they look at children and nobody looks at it that way. They, they just come up with every single excuse. The reason that almost every single church has a problem with finding volunteers to, to lead in children's ministry is because it is, a, it is a tactic straight from hell by the enemy. Because if the enemy can keep us from pouring into the next generation, it is the fastest and easiest way to kill the church. So the, the paradigm shift that has to happen in, in, in all of us is that that is some of the most important work you can do. And if you think it's hard to give up an hour once a month, you need to get on your knees and remember what he did on that cross right there. He shed his blood. He suffered. If you think suffering is watching kids, grow up. Get to the cross. The greatest work that this church can do, in my opinion, is to love and serve and disciple and train those kids back there. So my first ask is this. There's a board out there. This church is going to three services because it needs to. That's amazing. But one way you will kill this church is if your, uh, if your selfishness or comfort gets in the way from you putting your name on that board. This church will die if you don't fill up that board and the church will die. You know how many pastors I talk to that go, I wish I had that problem. Because my church is dying because the people that go there are dying. They don't have kids. They don't have that issue. And they long for that problem. We've had it. But stop with the excuses. Stop with this problem. Why is this problem a problem for every church? Have you thought of that? It's a problem for every church because it is one of the primary ways the enemy is trying to kill the church by getting at our children. And using you and your comfort and all your excuses to say no to them. But when you say no to them, you say no to Jesus. So my first ask, remember I told you to be big and bold. Fill up that thing. When I walk out of here, that would be one of the greatest gifts, to see that full. If you don't, you pay a price. Just know that. 
There is a price to pay. The second is this. If you look at your program um, and you look at the giving, you know, I, since I came to Crow River years ago, I, it was important to me that this church was self-sustainable and that we were generous, that we weren't keeping all of our money and that we were doing the highest quality of ministry that we could while also stewarding the money responsibly and not wasteful. And I can say I am so proud of the staff because I believe that we have done that. And every year God has blessed that. And every year, um, as I walked out of one year into the next, there was a surplus. And we were able to take that surplus and we were able to, to bless more people. We were able to bless the staff at times, but we were also able to put money into savings, which ultimately got us this over, over time. And um, I'll say this, where I have failed in the last year, and I regret this, but in the last year since we've gone into this building, I have not talked about money and finances the way in which I believe a pastor should. And the reason that I didn't, and I was afraid that we had all these new people coming in and I didn't want them to hear you know, their first thing, money. Because then it's like, oh, of course, he has a vested interest personally so that he gets paid, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and I didn't want people to be turned off from it. The problem with that is that money is all throughout scripture. It's something that we have to talk about. It's something that as a church, we can't ignore. It's something that we've got to recognize is such a vital tool and resource in the kingdom of God. God has, has given you money with the responsibility of storing it for good. Yes, to take care of yourself. Yes, to take care of your families. Yes, to use some of it to have fun. But some of it is for God and the kingdom of God. The problem is too many people are keeping all of it. The sad reality is, is that the vast majority of church budgets are covered by the vast minority. It's across the board. Barna's done it. Go look. I'm not lying. Why is that? And how sad is that? This church should never have a deficit. This church, quite honestly, if even 60 to 70% of this church was giving 5%, we would be expanding the building because we would have the money to do so. The problem is that we are like every, almost every other church in the United States is that the vast minority of people are giving and the mass, va, the ma, the massive, um, the vast majority of the budget is covered by very few of you. And I, I don't say that to shame you. I just say that because some of the best stories that I have personally as a Christian, not a pastor, but as a Christian following Jesus, or when I stepped out into faith and trusted God with my money, when I gave when it hurt, when I gave where I didn't know if God was gonna come through. And some of the best stories I have is choosing to give when it hurt, choosing to give when I didn't know if I'd be able to cover it, and God showed up. Why? Because it, he promises to show up. And so many Christians are missing out on experiencing God showing up in big, bold ways of, 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 you know, this is not prosperity gospel we're talking about here. We're talking about the promises of God. He says, you know, test me, give it a shot. See if I don't come through and take care of you. You cannot outgive God. Try it. See what happens. I dare you. God, and I don't dare you, God dares you. Because I will come through. The problem is people are holding too tight because ultimately money is their source of satisfaction, per, like um, protection, stability, security, all in replacement of Christ. See, when, when Christ becomes all those things, you can take your money and it can go anywhere you want. How fun is that? 
So without going into a full-blown teaching on generosity, it is a value of this church. And a church that struggles financially is burdened and cannot do the work that God wants to do in people's lives. So here's my ask, big and bold. And then the third one isn't as bad, so don't worry. (laughs) You look on here and there's about a $22,000 deficit. I've walked out of every year with a surplus. My ask And if you were going to do anything for my family or me or whatever, I don't expect that. But if you were, don't. Do this. I would love to walk out of this church with with that that debt gone. $22,000 today. Would you bless? Just If I've done anything that's been of any good in your life or for this church, you know, don't. Don't give us anything. Give to this church. I would love to walk out of this church without a deficit. I'd love for, the, for Paul to walk in tomorrow as the interim pastor and step into a church that's in the black. And I don't know, that could be one person writing a big old fat check. It could be a bunch of you writing checks. But that shouldn't be there, quite frankly. And it's not because of overspending, it's because this building, you know, it costs money. I don't know if you knew that. Um, but look at, I mean, if you've been around here, do you see the baptisms? How much do you think those souls are worth? Look at what God is doing in this church. Look at the opportunity that God is giving this church. There are houses going up everywhere. The vision of this church, I believe God saw decades ago, reached children, and he saw the growth that was gonna happen here. He needed a church that people could come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ where they could be welcomed, loved, forgiven, redeemed, and set on a new course in their life for the kingdom of God. And at the end of the day, it takes, you know, money is a part of the story. So would you eliminate that for me? The third and final is, uh, can you put up that list of names? Um, These are people that I deeply love. These are the names of the staff. And... um, my ask, uh, my ask, my last ask of you is um, these people do a lot for you all. And I attribute, honestly, a lot of what the successes that we've seen, you know, obviously God and, and the church as a whole, but these people have poured their lives into the work here. And we have been a unified staff. And, a, you know, staffs that turn over and turn over, it can be hard. On, it's really hard on a church. But we have... Oh man, been so blessed with awesome people, gifted people, people who love you and this church. And, and God has brought this staff together. And, f- and there's a unity. And there's also a camaraderie that we have, a, f- a culture of like, we want to do excellence, but also have fun. These people get beat up every week. They get, they get shredded every week. And the enemy is 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 at their doorstep every day trying to to just defeat them. And it's easy to take these folks for granted because you look around, everything's going great. You got a lot of different things that you can sign your kids up for. There's different small groups, different opportunities. Like that stuff just doesn't happen, folks. Like these people pour their hearts because they love Christ and they love this church and they do get beat up for it. And your role in this church, yeah, 
They lead, they shepherd, but you're to lead and shepherd them too. And a church that stops caring for their staff, stepping up for their staff, blessing their staff, is going to see people just get burned out and churn and burn. And it's not good for the church. My ask is to love these people, to pray for these people, to shepherd these people, to check in on them, to go have fun with them. They're normal people, okay? They wear shorts. <laughs> I saw a guy once years ago at the, at the hardware store. He came in, he couldn't believe. Looked at me with big eyes. I go, what's wrong? He goes, you're wearing shorts. I go, yeah, I'm a human being. I wear shorts, it's hot. You know, <laughs> I didn't know pastors wear shorts. Yeah, they wear shorts too. They're normal people. They need, you know, they want to have fun. They want to be cared for. Ask God, how can I bless these folks? How can I care for them? And then there's another set of names they often get forgotten. Forgotten, rather. These folks. Some of you go, who are they? Well, they share a last name of the staff people. These are the spouses of the staff people. And I often try to say at our Christmas party to these folks, thank you so much because you guys are unpaid interns for the church. Because their spouse works for the church, um, they often get pulled into their ministries. They're often here early, setting up. They're filling in. They're the first in line when someone backs out. Lyle, get back and watch my kid and change a few diapers. You know, like they're the first. They're the first line of defense, and they're never brought up. And I, 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 I failed it. I failed at that. I, they should be brought up on stage and recognized. But they do so much for our church behind the scenes as they love their spouses and embrace and, and help and serve their spouses. So my, my, my ask too is to love these folks, bless these folks, take care of these folks. Yeah, they're gonna lead and shepherd you, but you in response are to shepherd them and take care of them. The, great, the greatest thing you can do is love that team because one of the hardest parts for me leaving this church is leaving the staff because I love them and I love working with them and I'm going to miss them deeply. But if we, if, 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 if we fail to trust God in this season, to be, if we fail to be strong and courageous, we fail on God's leadership. If we fail to step up to the need that we have the amazing need we have to fill three services of leaders for our children's ministry and Wednesday night ministry. We fail the next generation. If we fail to be generous with what God has given us, we rebel against God. We miss out on the blessings that God has for us. And if we fail to care, care, for, one, care for one another and notice each other, see, it's so easy to take those people for granted because things are just going good. And it isn't often until people leave that you go, oh, but you don't have to do that. Care for them, love for them, notice them, notice each other. But if we, if we fail in those three areas, I fear for the church. But if we embrace that and embrace the vision that God has given for this church and trust that he has you in this next season and step up, there is goodness. You will see goodness and the power of, of God in this next season. And I want that, God wants that, and I think you want that. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for allowing me to be a part of this church. Thank you from the bottom of my heart um, allowing me to lead you for this season.
I hope and pray that it's, it's, I'm leaving it better than I found it. And I hope and pray that the next season is even greater, even better. Why? Because God is better and God is greater and he's got you. Be strong and courageous. Do not dis- be dismayed. Do not be afraid. He is with you. He's got you. Trust him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Stand with me and I'm going to pray for you. And then I believe there's some cookies if you want them. God, thank you for this church. Great is your faithfulness. You are faithful from generation to generation. I thank you for all the work, God, that you have done in and through the lives of people here through this church. Thank you that you are not finished. There is still amazing, wonderful, impactful work to be done. You are our leader, Christ. You are the cornerstone. You are the rock. We lean on you. We choose to live by faith, not by sight, but we have confidence that you know, you see far more than we can know or see. And you have a plan, and we submit to your plan. We ask that your kingdom would come here at the Highlands. May you bless this church. May you protect it from the schemes of the enemy. May you unite this church. We pray against any fractures or division in Jesus' name. And we pray, God, that in your time, you would bring about the next leader, a Joshua, to come in, to bring this church into an even more beautiful promised land. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.